It's uh, such an honor to be able to talk to you guys this morning. And honestly, it's really cool to be mic'd up. I'm used to having to like hold a microphone or stand right at a stand, but man, it's kind of a, it's a privilege and an honor to be I was actually thinking about having like Seth Jacobs. Where are you at, Seth? You in here somewhere? I was thinking about having Seth like throw me a football or something so I could demonstrate my freedom of hands, but, but I think we're, uh, we're gonna keep it respectful up here, hopefully. But let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we're so, so thankful that you have won the victory for us. We're so thankful that we can come here, that we can worship you, and that we can fix our eyes on your son, God, that you give us such an incredible reminder every day that we have access to the blood of Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful for that. Help us to not be hindered by anything in our faith. Lord, we love you. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. So uh, my name's Cody Porter, and uh, my wife Kirstie and I, along with Graham Baskin and Lizzie Carrico lead the Kennesaw State Campus Ministry. And uh, I just wanted to, to share with you guys a little bit about myself, because I understand that a lot, you know, big church, not everybody knows who everyone is. I was actually born and raised right here in Kennesaw, Georgia. And so I was born in Kennestone Hospital right down the street, and uh, I went to Harrison High School. Okay, go Hoyas. I don't know where McKenna is, but all right, cool. There's a gockle. Um, but I spent my first two years of college at Auburn University. And uh, when I was at Auburn, I joined a fraternity. I was partying, drinking, using drugs. Just that entire lifestyle is something that I adopted. It was, it was the lifestyle that I really desired for my identity. I, I, looking back, I don't really know why, but um, the world tries to get your identity in so many things, does it not? And so... Uh, Kennesaw State University for me growing up was like the place that you did not want to end up, okay? It's funny how God works that way, but it was the place that was like, it was like, I do not want to end up at Kennesaw State University. Not that community college, that means, that, that must, must mean that I have failed if I end up there. And uh, so sure enough, I did fail. And um, so I, I had to come running home because I had, I'd really messed myself up at Auburn, um, I was depressed, I, I was, like I said, I was beaten and broken, searching after happiness in so many different places and just found wanting. And uh, so I remember transferring to Kennesaw, just, just going, all right, here we go. Um, but I was praying to God at that time, God, I need your help. God, I want to change. God, I wanna be different. Um, and I had tried to change, I honestly, I put forth effort in trying to get my life back on track, even at Auburn, but I couldn't. So going back to Kennesaw, I'm praying, God, any opportunity that you give me, anything that you put in my path, I'm just going to take that as a sign from you. Amen. And so that can be a little dangerous, you know, depending on what happens. But, but, you know, God sent Falake Agboye, and she invited me to Bible talk, and that was that was the sign, right? That was the thing was she, you know, she's going around, her, Matt McCutcheon, they're going around, just probably been rejected so many different times already that day. Hey, super spiritual looking dude, I have my Bible open, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, wanna come to Bible talk? And I'm like, absolutely, thank you. Like finally somebody like has given me my sign. And so sure enough, I went to Bible talk, I ended up studying the Bible with Tom McGurk and uh, I got baptized about a month after being reached out to. I had my challenges, but it's just, it's incredible to be able to stand up here today and get to preach and do a sermonion with another Kennesaw State alum, Adoye Famadun. And so I'm kind of, 
I'm kind of imagining this as me just setting him up, okay? So it might be a long introduction, but, um, but both of us have some, some very recent summer um, events that we've gone to. Myself, uh, we took a team to Accra, Ghana, and supported the church there. Adoy just got back from the swamp. So I want to share a little bit about Ghana with you guys. Um, and honestly, there were some serious challenges that I faced with my faith in Ghana. Um, it just took me so far out of my comfort zone. I mean, for one, no air conditioning. That's, that's different. And now that I'm back, I'm still not adjusted. Everywhere is super cold when you step inside. But man, I was asked to do more lessons, more workshops to preach more than I ever have back here at home. That stretched me a ton. It made me have to dig into my Bible. What am I going to talk about today? What can I give these people? Um, but we basically went to go evangelize the college campuses there. And so I'm sitting here thinking, just a Kennesaw boy, I'm like, oh man, I go to Africa, I'm just going to tell people I'm American. They're immediately going to be pumped like, and want to talk to me. What I found is that that wasn't the case. So, so all these scenarios, all these scenarios about talking about the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys and LeBron James, that I was like, I'm just going to mention that and then they'll be interested and want to come to Bible talk. It wasn't working, okay? And so a lot of people couldn't care less that I was from the U.S. And there was a couple of uh, tough situations. Um, and don't get me wrong, Ghanaians are extremely loving, friendly people. It was a joy to be in Accra. And we were taken care of so well by the disciples, but also the people who weren't disciples were great. Um, but there were a couple of situations that were different than anything I'd experienced here. And um, at one point I'm sharing with, with a guy and across the street, these two dudes are walking by and one of them yells out, he says, uh, hey, watch out, the white man gives you a Bible with one hand and with the other will steal, steal your gold. I had another situation where uh, there were two guys playing basketball and, and there was a coach that was uh, coaching them, instructing them. So we go up and, and share our faith and I was with one of the African-American brothers that came on the trip with us from Kennesaw, Kenny Ume. So we go up, we're like, hey guys, you know, we have this Bible talk and the, the coach, he's probably 45 years old or so, the coach is going, man, get that white religion out of here. And he didn't just say that, he had, there was some cussing in there. So he's like, get that, get that white religion out of here, is what he said. And so I'm like, okay, you're not interested, but what about you guys? And so as we're walking away, he, he shouts at Kenny and he's like, it's like, man, how are you going to come back to your motherland and bring that white religion and said a bunch of other things? Okay, as we're walking away. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're not in Kennesaw anymore. It's pretty obvious. But I'll be honest with you guys, like that, that hurt me, like that impacted me. You know, and there's been times where I thought to myself, oh, if I'm ever faced with somebody that, that persecutes me or whatever, if you call that persecution, but if anybody ever, you know, comes out against me or persecutes me, man, I'm going to stand up to them. I'm going to, you know, have relentless faith, all that stuff. But I'll be honest, it, those two moments, I could feel myself wanting to shrink back. You know what I'm saying? I could feel myself desiring just, just a little bit to shrink back, just a little bit to, ah, I don't want that to happen again, right? A little bit of that, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin, right? And, um, you know, it, it caused me to, to struggle with some timidity, um, and I could feel that creeping in. You know, but when you're faced with a situation like that where you're starting to feel timid, where something happens, man, it starts to affect you in different ways, doesn't it? And more than just, I don't want to share my faith. It started impacting me going, man, can I really make a difference here in Ghana? Like, is there anyone who's open? I started with things thinking, it's going to be incredible being here. I'm just going to share my faith with someone 
comes to Bible talk or not, doesn't matter. And I started just coming up with all these excuses. My faith was hindered. I get what I'm saying? And I started to struggle with the same things that I was preaching about just days before, about having, having all this faith. I was feeling myself very challenged being in Ghana. And so let's turn to Hebrews 12. Because this, this is a scripture that I think really has helped me. And I want to give some, some background. I love Hebrews. But it's written to a specific house church, okay? It's not like the other letters that are, you know, where a letter is written to the church in Ephesus, meaning they pass it around amongst house churches in Ephesus. Or Corinth, they pass it around to house churches in Corinth. This is written to one specific house church in Rome, is what scholars believe. And this would have been during the time of Nero's reign, right when persecution was really starting to heat up against Christians. And so can you imagine being one of those disciples? You know, you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're expecting this life to the full, you have all these expectations, and you're met with strict opposition. You know, just imagine what these guys are thinking. God, I thought that you were bringing your kingdom onto this world. I thought that you were going to change things. You know, Jesus claimed to be the good shepherd. Is he really going to protect us? Can you imagine being these people in Hebrews? You know, and even a lot of Hebrews is, is kind of answering the question where they're going, man, have we sinned? Have we done something that caused you to abandon us, God? Is Jesus' blood really enough to, to purify us and make us right with God? So the writer of Hebrews goes through all that stuff. We're just going to focus in on just three verses. But, you know, this house church, man, they were on... They were ready to break away from the church at large and return to Judaism. And I have uh, two quotes that I wanted to read from uh, Gordon and Fees, How to Read the Bible Book by Book. One of them is, what concerns, the, what concerns the author of Hebrews is the possibility that some believers under present distress will let go of Christ and thus lose the son's saving work. And then I know that as a church, we've been studying out Exodus for the past few months and they write as well, it says, The failure of the first exodus lay not with Moses and Joshua, but with the people's failure to faithfully persevere. The readers of Hebrews are urged not to follow in their ancestors' footsteps. You know, and, and, and Ghana and Kennesaw, it doesn't make a difference. It's difficult to have faith that perseveres, is it not? It is difficult. We can say that. You know, and we can keep coming to church, we can keep reading our Bible and praying to God, but truthfully, our faith be hindered. You believe that? You know, I believe that these verses, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, they offer a solution. And it's extraordinary, right? But it's so, so simple, okay? And so I got, I've got one point before Adoya gets up, and that's this. The practical for perseverance. The practical for perseverance. Here's what it is, Okay. Verse 1, it says, therefore, we're in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such great opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, I was allowing the circumstances in Ghana, the temporary circumstance, right? 
those temporary moments to hinder my faith. And I think when we read this, we always think about throw off sin, right? It's always, okay, if there's sin in our life, we've got to throw it off. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus in order to do that. But I really think that just as important is to really check yourself and go, what is hindering my faith right now? Like in what way? Because my faith is not perfect like Jesus, right? So all of us have some ways that our faith is hindered right now. Those can be anything, unmet expectations, right? Hurt relationships. Tom Brown talked a lot about that last week, didn't he? These hurt relationships that can hinder our communion with each other and with Christ. You know, a desire to blend into the crowd, peer pressure, all these things. And I want you guys to write these things down, okay? I'm about, to, I'm about to write some reflection questions, okay? Just write these down for later. But what about your work environment hinders your faith? What about your children, about your spouse, about your home life hinders your faith? You know, this is a little bit deeper, but what experiences from your past hinders your faith even to this day? I'm not standing up here saying that I know the exact solution to each of those things. I don't have it figured out for myself, but there is a practical, right? We fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, I wanna, even with the single brothers and sisters and Edge and the campus ministry, it's not here with us right now, it's kind of weird, but you know, do you allow the, the culture to hinder your faith? I've heard people say that married couples are the only people that can be leaders, the only people that can go into ministry. That's just so not true, right? But we can have our faith hindered by the fact of what we see. Right? And that's just one example. You know, but Paul was free to move about the cabin, so to speak. You know, he traveled to churches all around the ancient world. The, the author of Hebrews does not want us to grow weary and lose heart, right? You know, have you grown weary? Have you lost heart? Because I, I had in Ghana, but the solution is so extraordinary yet so simple. You know, what is it when you fix your eyes on Jesus? Man, what is there to complain about, right? When you fix your eyes on Jesus and what he did, what excuses do you have? Your situation, my situation, those guys that were saying those things, Jesus suffered way worse, didn't he? When you fix your eyes on Jesus, your current issues, the current situations just come into perspective, right? That's why it's so important not to just give God lip surface, but to really focus on his son and his life, you know, what hindrance of ours is bigger than Jesus? There aren't any. You know, I have one example I want to give before Adoye comes up, and that's a brother in campus. Um, he was baptized around the same time that I was, and I remember meeting him. His name's Kalen Knowles, and so you can, yep, there's Kalen, okay? I don't know if, if y'all know Kalen, but when I met him, he was extremely quiet. Not just soft-spoken or shy, but like unwilling to talk to other people, okay? He was hindered by fear, by insecurity, by all those things. But Kalen has not allowed his hindrances to make him weary, to make him lose heart. You know, I know for a fact that Kalen has fixed his eyes on Jesus. And I just, I, I wanted to make a claim up here. Uh, he's not in this service right now, but he will be in the next one. I think it's important for y'all to know too. Here's a fact about Kalen, okay? Kalen is the most evangelistic disciple I've ever met. Okay, maybe not in the world because I don't know, I haven't met every disciple, but out of disciples I've met, Kalen is more evangelistic than any of them today. Like on Kennesaw's campus, he's constantly talking to random people. He's got a frisbee in his hand, a ball in his hand, whatever, alone, doesn't matter. Kalen shares his faith all the time. He has overcome the hindrance to his faith, amen? And no one, 
shares their faith more than Kaylin. And so inspiring to know he, ha- he didn't find some secret scripture. He didn't go to some intense evangelism training, right? What has he done? He's fixed his eyes on the pioneer and perfecter of faith. He's fixed his eyes on Jesus. I'm going to invite Adoy up here to talk more about that. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? So thank you so much, Cody, for what you shared. And I think, um, you know, as Cody was sharing about his experience in Ghana, it really makes me think that we all have moments in our life where, you know, it's difficult to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I love this picture. This was actually, uh, Megan and I came back from the swamp yesterday. And if you guys know a lot about the swamp, it's like a summer camp for a lot of our kids, middle schoolers and high school um, that they go to. One of the kids took this picture and I thought, wow, that's amazing. Um, you know, she went out uh, in early afternoon, really wanting to pray and read her Bible. And she goes, wow, look at this picture that I took. And I thought, wow, that's just amazing. And so thinking about all eyes on the sun, fixing our eyes on Jesus, that can be something that's so difficult for a lot of us to do. Am I right? And that's what I love about the swamp. You know, Megan and I got a chance to go to the swamp and uh, we got to work in the kitchen with amazing people. Um, we had a ton of fun doing it. If you've never worked in the kitchen, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, I learned that I didn't know how to cook a lot of things as well. Um, but, you know, just had a great time with them. Um, these are actually, uh, you know, co- most of them are college students who are counselors the entire summer. So they take two months of their, their summer and they decide that they want to counsel at the swamp. And out of this group, there are about seven from North River, which is just amazing to me that they've chosen, you know, this is how I want to serve this summer. This is how I want to use my summer. And, uh, you know, in here you see pictures of me. It was just amazing being there. Um, kids having fun, people, you know, kids having their quiet times. And when Megan and I got there, it's kind of like a, a, a mentality change, honestly. Um, you get there and there are kids running up to you and say, hey, how are you? I miss you. And I was like, where was this last week? What changed now? And so it's just cool. It's an atmosphere where you just feel loved. You feel friendship. You don't feel any judgment. And that's just amazing to me. To see the smiles on the kids' faces, I go, wow, what changed? What's different for you? It's because they were put in an environment where their focus can be on Jesus. It's not about the things in this world anymore. It's about, man, I'm here with my friends, and we're here to focus on Jesus. And you know, I love these two couples here, the Robas and the Clarks. Um, they do an amazing, amazing job um, at the swamp. And I think they may actually be watching right now, but they just put their heart and soul into the swamp. They believe in it. They believe in how much it can transform our kids, how much it can help them spiritually. And getting to see them and see their faith and how much work they put in it, I just go, wow, that's amazing. These are two couples that have their eyes fixed on Jesus for the next gen- generation. And so, you know, as we begin, I, I think we live in a world of distraction, right? You know, as soon as I got to the swamp, I was trying to find Wi-Fi. I went to look at my sports updates and see, you know, what's happening, who's getting traded up to what team this week. And what's hard is you can't do that at the swamp. Even when you find Wi-Fi, it takes like 20 minutes to look something up. And so I just couldn't do that anyways. But we live in constant distraction, There's always something going on, something happening, and we lose focus so easily. The smallest things cause us to be distracted. It hinders our faith. You know, one minute we feel close to God, then something happens, then the next we don't remember the last time we spent time in the Word. That happens to me all the time. I feel great. I feel spiritual. I feel close to God. 
and then something hurts my feelings or, you know, something happens or, you know, something's going on with my family. And I go, wow, God, I don't have time for you right now. I have to take care of this. And my focus shifts immediately. And, you know, when, and when we lose focus, our spiritual life becomes a burden. Our walk with God becomes a burden. Why do I have to show up to church? Why do I have to read my Bible? Why do I have to be faithful? We start pushing God away and we start losing focus. And the rest of our days are just filled with distractions. And, and I mean, do you ever feel like, you know, you're living your life for the next vacation, for the next holiday, for your day off of work? We get so burdened with our lives and we go, man, you know, I, I'm so excited about this vacation. This is going to make me feel so much better. Do you ever feel like that about Jesus? I can't wait to get time in the Word. I can't wait to focus on Him. Is that our heart? You know, there, there's so many things that can uh, cause us to feel that. And, you know, my parents are funny. I, I have a lot of things that I worry about in my life. I, can, I get stressed easily. You know, I worry about the future. I just wish I knew what my life would look like 10 years from now. Do you guys ever wish that? You know, some people say, oh, you don't want to find that. I'm like, yes, I want to know exactly what my life will look like, what I have to do tomorrow, what I have to do next week. It would just make my life so much easier. And so I worry about things like that. And, um, you know, something that causes me a lot of stress is family, too. You know, my, my, my parents, uh, they live in Nigeria. And so there's a six-hour difference. And so if they ever call me around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., I'm like, something is wrong. Something is going on, and my fears just flare up immediately. I, I jump up, I grab my phone, I go, hello, is everything okay? And you know, I'm in a frantic sweat. I'm like, I hope everything is okay. And I ask my mom, she says, yeah, everything is fine. I just wanted to let you know I saw your picture on Facebook, and I wanted to say hi, and, you know, I saw you guys with a baby. When are you going to have a baby? And I'm like, mom, it's 3 a.m. <laughs> and it's just stressing me out, but it really shows my fears. It shows the things that I start worrying about. And, you know, there are certain things that are prevalent in all our minds. You know, what is your one thing? What is the thing that causes you to lose focus on Jesus? You know, I, I have fears about the future. I always want to know what's coming, um, what's going to happen. I worry about my family. They're far away. I, I worry about, you know, am I going to be a strong leader in my marriage? You know, 50, 60, 70 years from now, who am I going to be? Will I be a good father? I come from a broken family. Will I be able to take care of my kids? Can I support my family financially? Am I going to be able to take care of Megan? You know, and those things are always on my mind. I think about our teen ministry. Man, where are our kids going to be five years from now? You know, they graduate. What happens from here? And I just start losing focus on Jesus. I start thinking about myself. I start thinking about what I want. It's me, 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 me. Let's forget Jesus for a moment. It's about what I'm fearful of. So what are your hindrances? You know, I love what Cody was saying earlier. Is it at your job? Are you fearful that, you know, you can't find a new job? You've been searching for months and you've come up with nothing. Is it that you don't get paid well enough? Is it sin in your life? Is it that you don't have a lot of close friendships? What is hindering you right now at this moment from keeping your focus on Christ? You know, I, I love these scriptures here. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought 
to the path of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Set your mind on things above, that are above, not on things that are on earth. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We see it time and time again. It's God trying to gain our attention. God's saying, don't look to the left or to the right. Look at me. Stop worrying about these things in your life. It's not about that. It's about me. You know, have you guys heard of that new hands-free driving law where you can't, you know, touch your phone or take your phone call? Okay, let's be honest for a second. How many of you have actually taken a phone call or texted while you were driving? All right, a lot of people in here, and, and I've done that. And you know, when that law came, Megan, she's my wife, I love her. She's very about the law. And so as soon as I, I even reached my mom and said, what are you doing? There's a new law. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to go to jail. I'm like, okay, okay. And so, you know, I listen, I humble out, but it's so true. And it showed me how distracted that I am when I'm typically driving. I want to do so much. I want to accomplish a lot. I want to take a phone call. I want to do this or that. And I realize how distracted I am. And we can all get the same way, right? We start losing focus. Have you lost focus in your life? If you were driving and you lost focus, what do you do? You regain focus. If you were swerving on the road, you'd get back in a straight line. So you've lost focus in your life. What do you do now? I'm not saying quit your job. You know, I'm not saying, hey, forget everything else. Don't worry about life. Don't think about the future. Don't think about your kids. Don't think about where you're going to live. I'm not saying that. Those are things that we have to think about from time to time. But is that your main focus? Is that the top of your priority right now in your life? Are you fighting to shift that focus? You know, Satan is so, he's charming in a way. You know, he knows that he's already lost. And I love that song we were singing before. How Jesus already won the victory. The battle is over. It's done. He's in the arena right now just bleeding. Jesus has conquered and vanquished. And so what does he do in defeat? He thinks, how can I get people on my side? I don't want to lose alone. I don't want to be here alone. And so he puts these little distractions in our lives. You know, Jesus, he's here saying, hey, let's go. The battle is over. I've won. What are you waiting for? And we go, well, I don't know. You know, he's telling me about this deadline that I have at work. He's, letting me, he's reminding me that I don't have a lot of money. What's going to happen to me in the future? And Satan is just tricking us, trying to, trying to hide his own wounds and trying to make us fear and run away from God. And what's sad is that we play into it so easily. We allow him to take reign of our lives. We allow him to take away that focus that we have on Christ and focus it on him, on our fears, on the things that we, we just worry about so much. But time and time again, you go into scripture and it's Jesus saying, focus, focus. It's not about that. And so you look at Jesus' example. When we look at him, we don't have to make it up as we go. He shows us what to do and, and how to do it. And when our eyes aren't focused on Jesus, we focus on the world. You know, what is that person doing? Why do they have more friends than me? Why isn't my husband or wife as loving? 
and we start envying each other. Excuse me. We start worrying about so many things that aren't even important. And we forget the most important relationship in our lives. And the issue is those things will never stop. It will never stop. For the rest of your life, you will have distractions and things that keep your focus away from Christ. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we gain a heavenly perspective. We see life as God intended. The way Jesus saw things. And, you know, we, we think about the cross. and you, Why was it so easy for Jesus to focus on the cross? Why, why was he willing to give up his life? His eyes were on God. You can do anything with your focus on God. You can. Death can't hold us down. We have a Savior who is conquered. And, you know, so Jesus was different because his eyes were on God. When people saw a woman caught in adultery... He saw someone who needed forgiveness, someone who needed love. When people saw a hardline zealot, he saw someone that would give his life for the gospel. When people saw a stingy tax collector, he saw someone who needed a friend. That's a heavenly perspective. And, you know, I think about our teens. You know, the teens kind of have it difficult. I think one of the hardest moments to make Jesus the Lord of your life is in high school. High school is like a literal zoo. I'm not even kidding you. Most of you have gone through it. It's just you go in, there are a bunch of other kids, a bunch of emotions, craziness, and it's just, it's crazy to me. And I really feel for teenagers. I I think they don't get the amount of respect that they deserve. To go in day in and day out, in one of the most worldly situations, everything is going on. Everything. And for them to continually fight to stay close to Christ, to not fall into sin, that amazes me. It really does. And, you know, I love this picture here. It's a picture of a couple of our teens who've made Jesus the Lord of their lives in the past year. And I think, man, they've decided, I want to focus on Jesus. I want to keep my eyes on him. And I go, wow, that's just amazing. And, you know, there's so many of them right now who haven't made Jesus the Lord, but they're, they're fighting constantly because they know that with their eyes focused on Jesus, they can do anything. You know, what would look different in your life if your eyes were focused on Jesus? What would you see differently? Would your marriage be different? Your friendships? You know, all your relationships? What would that look like? Would the way you parent be different? Would your workplace be different? And that's my challenge for you. As we get ready for communion, to take communion this morning, I want you to think about your life and think about your focus on Jesus. Are your eyes on him? Is he the most important thing in your life right now? Or is it your stress? And you know, communion, it's such a short time. We want to take it sometimes to think about our whole life. You know, five minutes is not enough to think about your whole life. That's why we take the time outside of this, to commune with each other, but to focus on Jesus, to get our hearts prepared for him. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We are just so grateful to you. You have changed our lives in so many ways. God, there's so many distractions in this world, 
so many things that keep us from seeing you, from seeing your power. Father, we pray that these things do not become more important to us than you. We pray that you help us in our weakness. We are weak, God. We need your strength. And we need to look at your son. See that he's already conquered. He's the victor. Let's not let this world get a hold of us, God. Really pray that we can pour out our hearts to you. Help us in the things that we're struggling with, the things that are keeping our focus away from you, God. Help us to overcome. Pray that we can be there for each other and that your love, your mercy, your grace, your discipline, God, can be on our heart. But most of all, I pray that we look at Jesus who has lived this perfect life, who has shown us that it is possible. He's our savior. He's our hero. And God, we thank you so much for him. Because of him, we can have life. Life beyond this world. We love you, Father, and it's your son's name we pray. Amen.